Welcome into the 5 o'clock hour of this Wednesday edition of News on the Hill. I'm Brighton McConnell, substituting in for Andrew Stuckey, and we've had a very busy Wednesday show. Still got a busy 5 o'clock hour to come. Hope you'll stick around for Art Chansky's Sports Notebook coming up at the bottom of the hour. Looking forward to sharing some top news stories of the day as well. Let's hop into some of the top traffic news that has been affecting our community on the roads in Chapel Hill. A car crash closed Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard for several hours today. Still is closing one side of traffic flow. No one was injured in this crash, according to Chapel Hill Police, but the traffic lights at the Westminster Drive intersection were taken down by the collision. Police shared a dramatic photo of the power pole and traffic lights in the road, as well as a power line wrapped around a dump truck. It's pretty incredible. We've got it shared on Chapelboro, and police say that crews have been hard at work trying to repair that line and the traffic light. Traffic, though, has had to be detoured down Homestead Road on the south side, Weaver Dairy Road extension on the north side. The last couple of hours, southbound MLK has been reopened. That opened back up at 2.30, but the northbound lanes are still closed and the latest word from Chapel Hill Police is this work could last into tomorrow. So plan if you are going to be traveling northbound on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard to detour onto Homestead Road and then Weaver Dairy Extension to get around it. We already saw some impact of that on our earlier traffic. Today we'll get the full traffic pattern in our upcoming traffic report about how that closure is affecting things. Turning to campus, where our other top story of the day comes in university leadership. It's the last day of classes for UNC students today as they finish out the fall semester, which has been pretty tumultuous. They, of course, had the fatal shooting of a faculty member on campus that kind of kicked things off. Things have uh, been pretty high tensions with the geopolitical news of the last few months in the Israel and Hamas war. And then, of course, within the last few weeks, there's been extra uncertainty around the university's leadership as UNC Chancellor Kevin Gus has been weighing his options of staying in Chapel Hill or taking the Michigan State presidency. We have a post today from Chronicle Higher Education, Chronicle of Higher Education reporter David Jesse, who has been reporting on this so far. He does not cite a source, but says that Kevin Guskowitz is expected to be announced as Michigan State University's new president on Friday morning with a meeting notice of the Michigan State Board of Trustees expected to come within the next few hours or within the next 24 hours at least. Uh, that does differ a little bit from the Daily Tar Heels regular LDOC exit interview they do with Guskowitz. That was published on the Daily Tar Heel this morning. And when that interview was conducted, Guskowitz told the student newspaper at the time that, quote, no decisions have been made. But if this does indeed come to fruition, Guskowitz could be leaving to head to East Lansing as early as Friday. And the UNC system's flagship will be left without a chancellor for the first time in four years. UNC system president Peter Hans would then lead that search. It is an interesting interview with the Daily Tar Heel that Guskowitz left. Perhaps his exit interview for his entire tenure, if you want to check that out, on the Daily Tar Heels website. Turning further south for some other big news today involving the Chatham Park development, uh, among the many neighborhoods and housing community that group is bringing online, they now have a new partner that has uh, quite the recognizable branding, Disney. 
That is right. Disney is teaming up with Chatham Park for its own new neighborhood. The company announced plans for a 4,000-unit community called Asteria, which will be the second story-living-by-Disney-managed uh, entity by the corporate giant. It's going to be the first on the East Coast. The, or the, the first one that does exist is in progress of being constructed in California. And uh, there's it's a little unclear what will make this Disney-specific, but it is largely a single-family family, multifamily housing community that Disney won't be building or selling, but instead branding and managing that community, staffing the neighborhood amenities, of course, with their cast members. There is a promise of Disney-related programming for people in the community, as well as all of the other typical day-to-day offerings in the Chatham Park region. Another thing unclear in the initial release today is exactly where in Pittsburgh this is going to be. Chatham Park owns a lot of land both north of US 64 and south of downtown Pittsburgh. Not sure which one of those areas this uh, 1,500-acre development is expected to be in, but Story Living by Disney said that they hope to begin sales on these future homes as early as 2027. You can head to our news article to learn a little bit more about that big development and the history of Chatham Park as well. Speaking of, we've got one local government meeting tonight. That would actually be the Town of Pittsburgh Board of Commissioners. They've got a special meeting at 5.30, so getting started in a few minutes as they take a look ahead at budget plans for the 2025 fiscal year. The group is going to be meeting again next Monday for their organizational meeting following the November elections. Uh, They will swear in Mayor-elect Kyle Shipp, as well as John Bonnets, Jay Farrell, and John Foley to the Town Board on Monday. In the meantime, though, PittsburghNC.gov, the place to go for today's meeting materials. Some other swearing-ins happened last night. Carborough saw Barbara Fushi become its latest mayor as she was sworn in last night, and the town council also gained two new members, saying goodbye to Sammy Slade and Susan Romaine, and adding Catherine Frey and Jason Merrill, who were elected. Eliza Prasada also sworn in once again as the incumbent in those races. One of the final local governments in our community that will be swearing people in is Chapel Hill. Remember, Jess Anderson will be taking the oath of office as mayor on December 18th. Anderson defeated Adam Searing in that race, perhaps the most hotly contested and certainly one of the most expensive local races that we have seen in a very long time, if ever. But Searing in defeat is not going anywhere. He still has two years left on his town council term. And Searing joined us here at 97.9 The Hill earlier this week to discuss his own priorities on the council in these coming years. I mean, we really haven't created a new park in Chapel Hill in the last 15 years. We have, you know, a lot of people who go elsewhere with their kids to recreate, you know, to go to a splash pad or playground. These are not things that are earth shattering, but, you know, this is important stuff if you're if you're a family here in town. So I'd like to work on that. And I'd also like to really work with the folks downtown. Coulter Debris, we had a debate last night at the council about this giant new wet lab building we just approved or we're going to demolish the old Fowler's grocery store building where the Purple Bowl is. And he asked, he was asking for another project. He was saying, you know, what's the plan? What's the plan for downtown? And I'd like to help work that out. You know, what what's the plan? What's the overall plan? Not just project by project, but what's the overall plan to, for downtown? And I think that's a good thing to look at. Once again, that is Chapel Hill Town Council member Adam Searing speaking there. If you want to hear that full conversation he had with Aaron Keck, be sure to head to the This Morning with Aaron Keck section on chapelboro.com. 
And time now for a look at sports. We are quite close to UNC women's basketball getting ready to tip off in Carmichael Arena tonight. It's their first game since facing the number one team in the country. Remember, they fell last week to South Carolina. And tonight, the number 24 Tar Heels looking to get back into the win column as they host UNC Greensboro. That team that game tips off at 7 o'clock. Courtney Banghart's team sits at 5-3 and three on the season, and tonight's game is important not only to try and get back to winning ways, but also because they've got a tough opponent coming up. They want to try and get back on the shooting track, not just the winning, but the shooting track against UNCG. That's because they travel to face Connecticut in Connecticut over the weekend, so UNC definitely wants to get back out on the right foot tonight. Our coverage will start at 6.30 with Matt Krause on the call. He'll have a half-hour pregame show for UNC women's basketball before that game tips off at at 7 o'clock. Hey, speaking of facing Connecticut, that was the UNC men's basketball program's opponent last night. It was a top 10 matchup in Madison Square Garden for the Jimmy V Classic and a good game where Carolina held its own in the first half, but ultimately the UConn Huskies rode their efficient offense to a comfortable lead in the second half and never gave it up. Final score there was 87-76. The fifth-ranked reigning national champion UConn looked the part in that game. Carolina maybe just a step below the Huskies on the night, although they did have some good performances from R.J. Davis and Harrison Ingram. Ingram had 20 points. Davis had 26 as he continues his torrid scoring stretch. After the game, head coach Hubert Davis told the Tar Heel Sports Network that he, he believes that the game had its tight moments and that Carolina just didn't quite execute in the way it needed to in order to compete with one of the best teams in the country. But Davis also acknowledged that the game gave his team a chance to grow as the season progresses. Here's that conversation with Jones Angel of the Tar Heel Sports Network. It was a five-point game, and I can't remember the time, and we had three straight wide-open looks, and it just didn't go in. And this is the first time that we didn't shoot the ball well from the free-throw line either. And so we had open looks. We had shots around the basket. We had wide-open threes, and we just uh, didn't make enough plays to be able to beat a really good UConn team. I'm in no way suggesting that you're anything but disappointed that your team lost, but you seem more encouraged than discouraged after this one. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. I'm I'm very uh, discouraged and encouraged. Uh, Discouraged from the point that we didn't win. I want to win everything, but I'm encouraged of what this team can be and where it can go. It's uh, the beginning of the season, and there's uh, a lot more season to go and a lot more growth for this team, and I'm excited about how good we can become. Once again, that is UNC men's basketball head coach Hubert Davis speaking there. Uh, Audio courtesy of Learfield Sports. It'd be great if UNC could have a game to come out and try and make amends real quickly, but these kids have finals that they need to take, so they've got a long break as classes wrap up, and they'll hit the court again next weekend. UNC will travel down to Atlanta to take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic. Speaking of CBS, their 2023 CBS Sports and 247 National uh, Sports All-America team has been released today, and we've got a familiar face there. UNC running back Armarion Hampton named to their football All-America team. That comes after the sophomore was named to their uh, named to the All-ACC first team and Doak Walker Award finalist list. Uh, as the regular season wrapped up. It's easy to understand why Hampton had seven 100-yard rushing games this season and was named the ACC running back of the week four times. He is expected to be 
active and in action for UNC's upcoming bowl game on December 27th, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, but we'll get closer to that one and uh, have more reports as the Tar Heels prepare for West Virginia, whether Hampton and who else is playing or not. Along those lines, we have no notable UNC football transfers to share so far this afternoon and evening, uh, but we have seen more than 3,000 college football players enter the transfer portal after the regular season ended last weekend. Among the Carolina departures is tight end Kamari Morales, who has already decided his next school. It's notable because Morales has committed to Boston College, setting him up to face the Tar Heels in 2024. The Eagles are on the schedule to host Carolina at some point during ACC play next season, so that could be an interesting reunion against Kamari Morales. We have a tracking page keeping track of all of the transfers from UNC if you want to head to our sports section of chapelboro.com. Continuing our look at some of the top local news of the day, the election filing period for 2024 races is open. There's going to be plenty of time to talk about presidential and statewide races. At the moment, we're keeping our eye on the filing for local races in Orange County. We've got some judge seats up, the Orange County Schools Board of Education seat, and of course, uh, the Orange County Commissioners. Some updates today, Bonnie Hauser, an incumbent on the Board of Education, has filed to run once again in the Orange County School system. She joins six other people who have went ahead and put their names into the ring for the three available seats this spring. Meanwhile, Hathaway Pendergrass and Joel Brown, two sitting judges on the North Carolina District Court in District 18, have also filed for re-election to their seats. We're going to continue keeping an eye on all of that, and we have a tracker page of who has filed so far if you want to head to chapelboro.com. One name that will not be on there is Anna Richards, a, dis- a District 1 commissioner for Orange County's Board of Commissioners. She said she will not be running for re-election on Monday, making the announcement during the board's organizational meeting. Richard said that she took some time over the Thanksgiving holiday to reflect and thought about all of the accomplishments she is proud of reaching with the rest of her peers, saying that kind of led her to realize it's time to step away. But she said she's not fully stepping away just yet. Here are some of Richard's comments from that meeting. We did a great job, all of us as a board, on housing got a climate action plan, almost got a strategic plan. We made some progress on the green track, um, the school infrastructure, which is going to present tonight. We started the comprehensive land use plan and uh, we did some things to help close the housing gap. So as I reflected back over that Thanksgiving period and just thinking about that participation, I thought it was a good time to kind of pause and say, we've been working hard these last couple of years. And I think as a board, I feel very proud of the things that we've accomplished. I also want to say that I have a whole nother year. So I look forward to 2024 because now we have to implement that strategic plan. I'm very interested in the opioid funding and how we proceed with that, particularly the prevention side of that with our young people. So I can be a completely free person, crazy lady, pounding on the table for our youth as we develop our strategies and going forward. Once again, that is Orange County Commissioner Anna Richards speaking there, the District 1 seat for Chapel Hill and Carborough will be open and uh, welcoming all candidates to file for that one. But as you heard her say, Richard's not leaving right away. She'll remain on the county board through the end of 2024. The winners of next year's election cycle 
won't be sworn in until a year from now.